The Twins lost a game in the most 2023 Twins way possible on Wednesday night at Tropicana Field. Let's talk about it. This is Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, hey, what do you say? Thanks for making Locked On Twins your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on YouTube and part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Quick reminder, we would love to hear from you in the comments, good, bad, or otherwise. Been pretty bad of late, but justifiably so, as the Twins have dropped four in a row. Again, we'll hang out in the comment section as best we can, chat with you, ask your questions, make your comments, all kinds of fun stuff. Also, too, Locked on Twins Breathless post-game minutes as soon as we can after pretty much every game. Did not happen tonight due to softball. No rain out, as a fan asked on Twitter earlier tonight, but got a couple games in. So instead of that, we'll give you a full breakdown of what was a breakdown from your Twins. Today's show brought to you by Bird Dogs. Birddogs.com slash MLB. Will uh, if you do the promo code locked on MLB, you get a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. You can get your shorts and pants and all kinds of fun stuff at birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. Twins play the Rays in the series finale Thursday afternoon, 12 10 p.m. locally. It's at the trop, and twins look to avoid a sweep and to fall under 500 for. I believe the first time all season. Bailey Ober will face Tyler Glass now. I believe that's one of the higher, excuse me, taller pitching matchups of the season. But uh, you can catch every pitch of the Twins' hometown broadcast with Corey and Danny. Actually, I believe it's Corey and Paul Molitor in this series with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Twins. Also, fun news, Thursday's show will feature former Twins catcher A.J. Pierzynski, probably dropping late in the day. After the ball game, I believe we're recording in the evening. So look for that. Should be a whole lot of fun. But your Twins lose 2-1 in, as I stated, the most Twins way possible. Now, there are a lot of layers for how this was the most Twins way possible. Did they get a good start? You better believe it. Pablo Lopez back on his grind. First pitch strikes to 20 of 26 batters faced. Lots of strikes. Only mistake was an Isa Isaac Paredes home run. I wonder if he and Willie Franco, excuse me, Willie Castro, got confused with Wander Franco there for a second. I wonder if he and Willie Castro get together and reminisce about the old days in Detroit. I doubt it. But, yeah, uh, Twins push one across in the ninth inning after Paredes' second inning homer is Tampa Bay's only offense to that point in the game. Uh, we'll just let's just go through the twins in the ninth. So Trevor Larnick flies out to center. Donnie Solani gets hit by a pitch. And then Michael A. Taylor comes in, steals second. Uh, Max Kepler walks. Taylor steals third. Now, where it gets tricky is that Max Kepler does not take second. And so I had the volume off. I was watching from my softball game. 
I've been watching with the volume off a lot of late. That's no disrespect to the broadcasters, just either I have the little man or I'm watching in a restaurant or I'm watching on my phone at an event, trying to keep up, et cetera, et cetera. But it sounded as though Paul Molitor was especially uh, disgusted by Kepler not taking second on that play, whether it was a missed sign or if he was trying to make sure that Taylor would go. Not entirely sure, but with a right-handed batter, I kind of like that steal a third. It's risky, but as long as it's not a left-handed batter giving the catcher free view of third base, it's not It's not the worst thing, but if you could have two runners in scoring position, that gets Royce Lewis in position to drive in not only the tying run as he did, but Kepler would come around and score as well. A lot of debate on Twitter if Kepler would have scored there, but the way that ball was hit and the fact that, um, you know, he would have been off with the contact because it was pretty clearly not going to be caught. And the way that a Rosarena was kind of going to the ball in that direction to me, Kepler scores easily. There was some people saying that Lewis gets walked to face Castro, which again, forced the issue. I don't care if that's the case or not. It doesn't excuse bad process from Max Kepler. So Castro gets hit by a pitch. Suddenly the twins have the bases loaded. And we all know when the twins have the bases loaded, everything falls apart. So <coughs> where this <coughs> falls apart is that Ryan Jeffers absolutely smashes a changeup from Jason Adam to third base. Now, if you remember Jason Adam's name, because he was a twin for a brief minute when the Twins traded Josh Willingham to the Royals back in 2014, I want to say. It was either 14 or 15. Anyway, um, so Adam was a, a very briefly a Twins prospect slash he was in, in the organization. Anyway, Jeffers smashes 102.4 mile per hour ball down the line. And wouldn't you know it? Um, Paredes starts a double play, just an incredible diving play at third, fires a second. Taylor Walls makes a nice feed or uh, rather pivot at second, and uh, Jeffers is out at first by about a step. Absolutely, you know, to, to steal a phrase, a piss missile by Jeffers, um, ticketed for the left field corner, scoring, you know, uh, at least one run. Um but it, instead, Twins go to the bottom of the ninth, lined up exactly how you'd want it with Joandron on the mound. Two pitches later, Randy Arena homers to right center. Walk-off homer, Twins get beat with their best on the mound. Again, the offense is limp, does nothing for them all game long. Twins finish one run, three hits. Just not enough offensive production. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Max Kepler with a single and a walk, and yet because he didn't take that base in the ninth gets a lot of the heat. But again, three hits from this team, the hits coming from the bottom half of the order. Carlos Correa simply not good enough at this point, 0 for 4 with a pair of strikeouts. He's down to 204, 293, 367 as his slash line. You know, some contention in uh, late on late in the game with Kyle Garlic hitting for Alex Kirloff. Again, I don't like that either. 
I, I like Kyle Garlick against lefties, but I just am not pinch hitting for Alex Kirloff at any point in any game because the future version of Alex Kirloff is going to have to hit lefties. Full stop. It's just going to have to be that way. So, again, um, it is what it is. Also, too, Royce Lewis coming out of the game late. I did not see if there was any information on that. He came out after that uh, that hit. Kyle Farmer played first. Willie Castro moved to third. And Michael A. Taylor moved to center. That may have simply been just some maneuvering to defensively, but I'm not positive about that. So, you know, we'll see if anything comes of that. Um, you know, so far, Lewis has looked pretty good, uh, especially after being in that jarring collision at first base, which uh, I'm still – it's still one of the scariest things that I've seen on a baseball field in my lifetime. Let's take a quick break. We will talk about um, – make sure I pull up the right thing here. Better help. And if you need someone to talk to, this episode is sponsored or brought to you by BetterHelp. And again, if you need someone to talk to, it's uh, you know it's time to give online therapy a try. Or if you feel it is, you can check out BetterHelp.com/lockedonmlb and get on your way to being your best self. I cannot recommend therapy and talking to someone enough. And if you don't take BetterHelp as a part of that process, it's still good to talk to somebody. We just happen to really like BetterHelp, and, and we have a, a nice little deal for you, too. Um, I I've personally did not realize how much it would help to talk to somebody. I thought it's just words. It's going to be me just sitting on a couch, that stereotypical sit on a couch, talk to somebody, leave, and it hits you in the pocketbook, and that's about it. Couldn't be further from the truth. It was great to talk to somebody. And it really got my brain and my wheels spinning on how I could be a better version of myself, how I could be a better father, how I could be a better husband, how I could be a better son, brother, you name it. Um, I just, I can't emphasize enough that if you feel like you need to talk to somebody, this is a very easy way to do it. You can find more balance with BetterHelp. All you got to do, betterhelp.com slash locked on MLB. And you save 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash MLB. So we're into the bullpen. And what I want to focus on, ironically enough, is part of the bullpen. Juwan Duran had a really good comment after the game. And I'm reading off a Doe Young Park tweet. Um... So Duran gives up the homer to Randy Arozarena for the walk-off. Side note, I think that the lights flickering after a home run like that is cool. It, there's a lot of things about Tropicana Field that aren't cool. You give off Metrodome vibes. Also, too, I'm convinced because you look at how this roster is put together for Tampa Bay, and they just seem to win despite just kind of having everything thrown together like a it's like a chef salad, you, you know, a lot of different things. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to work. And it comes out great. I'm convinced though, that the twins, if they were operating this way, would somehow be 10 games under 500, just because of how things have gone for them 
this season. I just, I don't think, I don't think they would be able to pull it off in the same manner that the Rays and, and, and Kevin Cash have. I don't know what it is. It's not me saying I don't like Rocco Baldelli. Quite opposite. I think Rocco Baldelli is great. I get a lot of heat for that, but, you know, I think he's a good human being. I think he does his best with what he's handed, and the Twins have just really been bad in big spots this season. Nevertheless, the Duran comment that I wanted to speak on is this. Quote, he gets all the credit. He did a good swing. He's got power. He's a good hitter. I'm a good pitcher. I threw the best pitch I could. He did the best swing he could, and he won against me. It's okay. End quote. And as you might expect, the comments are horrible. But to me, that's a very healthy mentality. It's very mature for a player of any age, let alone a guy who's only been in the big leagues for about a year and a half. And I think that people lose sight of the fact that every play, for the most part, has a winner and a loser. And it doesn't mean that one guy did good and one guy did bad. It can be that one guy did good and one guy did better. If Duran dots a 98-mile-per-hour splinker on the outside corner and the guy gets to it and hits it out of the park, and I don't know that it was a splinker. I'm just basing it off the um, just one of his pitches. If, if the hitter gets to it and homers off it, it doesn't mean it was the wrong pitch. It doesn't mean it wasn't a good pitch. It just means the other guy executed better. And I think we lose sight of that a lot as consumers of sports that um, that that you, you're not always going to have the best execution beat um, the, the other guy if the other guy just simply does his part better. It's not it's not a I was good and you were bad. It was I was good and you were better. And. That's one of the logical fallacies I struggle with. I also struggle with the opposite of what didn't work would have worked for sure. Now, probably a easy easy way to look at that is bullpen usage. When Duran comes in in the seventh inning and cleans up three, four, five against whoever they're playing, and then the closer, whoever closes gives up runs in the ninth and it's all, why wasn't Duran available for the ninth? Okay. But then who faces three, four, five in the seventh, a lesser reliever. If the lead doesn't stick to the seventh, then Duran doesn't pitch the seventh or the ninth because chances are they're trailing in the ninth or the game is over depending on if it's a home or away game. Um, And I think that too trips some people up. So again, like how we view failure in baseball, and it's a, it's a game of failure. It, frankly, you know, you say, oh, the best hitters fail 70% of the time. I say 60 because I think on-base percentage as opposed to batting average, but it is what it is. It's a game of failure, and how you internalize and externalize that failure is important. But I also think it's important, too, how you view it as a fan because even the, the best teams are going to lose 60-ish games a year, and – or, or they're going to win four games a week and lose three. That's not that exciting. But at the end of the day, if you, um, you know, if you win four games a week and lose three, I'm going to pull up the calculator here if it will 
finally actually load. Um, no, of course not. No, now we got a bunch of them. You win four games every week. A 93 win pace. So, yeah, 93 wins is going to be more than enough to win a division like the AL Central. Probably the NL Central, too. Rest of the divisions, I'm thinking not. But winning four and losing three every single week for a full season, not that exciting. So, again, you can't live or die with every win or loss. And, again, I know Twitter is easy to do that or makes it easy to do that. But um, at the same time, too, though, like it is frustrating. The Twins have a frustrating loss on Tuesday. And the rest of the division does nothing to make them pay for it. So they're up three and a half. Twins have a frustrating loss on Wednesday and still lead the division by two and a half. And now the risk is against Tyler Glass. Now they're going to go under 500 for the first time all season. And they'll still, no matter what, be in first place at the end of the day. It's just, it's a frustrating thing to see the Twins dropping such otherwise winnable games. Every team that... I shouldn't say every team. A lot of teams that end up having good seasons have stretches like this. Or, you know, maybe not maybe not 62 games where they play 500 ball. But if the Twins were to just tear off, go 50, 15 and 5 over their next 20 and then play 500 ball the rest of the way, that gets you to, what is that, 86 and 76, which will probably be enough to win this division pretty much uh, right around their projections are, or probably a little bit above them. But again, um, wouldn't be that surprising. That that stretch probably will come at the end of the season because their September schedule is extremely easy. But nevertheless, um, it's hard to mitigate because I, I understand the frustration, but I think it goes over the top in a lot of ways. This isn't you know, the NFL where 62 games is the equivalent of playing, what is it, like eight of the 17? You know, you pretty well know where your season is going eight weeks into an NFL season, not quite as much with MLB. So, again, I, I liked Duran's perspective with the Arena home run. It was pretty anticlimactic for the Twins to paste, absolutely crush a ground ball double play to end the ninth on the top half, and then two pitches in, give up a homer to Randy Arena. Basically, that, that was the twin season in a nutshell. If you've watched one game of the 2023 twin season like this one, you've watched them all. It comes back, too, to the fact that in the last four games that they've dropped, they've scored a grand total of four runs. You're not going to win too many games doing that. But in those three of those losses, they gave up a combined eight runs. So basically eight to four combined losses for three of them. The seven zero loss to the Rays to open the series. And it's, you know, it's a blowout for all intents and purposes, but um, I believe that's 10 games in which the twins have lost when um, allowing fewer than three runs MLB high, which again, doesn't mean they can't improve, but you don't want to look back at this point in the season where you think to yourself, yeah, the twins could have picked up a lot of valuable ground, on the rest of this division. White Sox suddenly four games out, four wins in a row. Detroit skittering, uh, five straight losses, still only three and a half out. Basically, you can bury the Royals and that's it, but the Twins have had a chance to bury the rest of the division all season long. 
and haven't taken it. All right, let's come down the home stretch here. We're going to talk about bird dogs. You can't see it, but I'm wearing a pair of mine right now. Just an absolutely wonderful product. Also, too, thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day. If you're an everydayer, check back tomorrow. We'll have AJ Przinski on the program. Twins play the Rays at Tropicana Field. They wrap up the series on Thursday, 12, 10 p.m. Corey and Paul Molitor. It's going to be Bailey Ober. Against Tyler Glass now, Twins looking to avoid going under 500 for the first time all season. So you can get every pitch with SiriusXM, though. On the SXM app, just search Twins and let us know if you hear our commercial, too. We have a commercial running on that channel during Twins games. Love to hear from you. Love to hear what you think. Before we head into the seventh inning stretch and the voice of the fan, we got to talk about bird dogs. And again, like I said, I'm wearing my bird dogs right now, and they're absolutely wonderful. It's a, it's a, for me, it's been shorts. I, like I said, I also, I got a size that didn't quite fit like I wanted to. Customer service could not have been better. Absolutely fabulous customer service. They got me my replacements quickly. Um, it's basically the same thing as Lululemon, but a better fit. They make you look good. They're like stretch khaki shorts. They look thimmer through the thigh and like giving you a sculpted look. If they can make me look sculpted in my lower half, they can do the same for you. They fit way better. Uh, nice, loose material, not that restrictive cotton that we all hate. And it's a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches to get a slimmer fit without sacrificing the movement. It's an anti-stink, sweat-wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. I'm not going to stand up and show you that I'm wearing them, but you're just going to have to trust me on this one. And next time, I'll bring my tumbler because it's absolutely fantastic. It's basically a Yeti-style tumbler that um, keeps things cold or hot, whatever you want to do. So go to birddogs.com slash MLB. Enter the promo code MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash MLB for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You will not want to take off your bird dogs. We promise you. All right, coming down the seventh inning stretch and the voice of the fan. And let me tell you, you guys are pretty charged up about this one. Justin Ekstrom wants to know, is there a hitting school the Twins can go to because it looks like they have no clue at the plate? And we've touched on this quite a bit, but I agree. They look absolutely like they have no plan at the plate right now. And they talked about... Um, you know, maybe changing approaches for something a little less, I don't know if it was a little less analytic at the plate or a little less, basically what I see is they are, they're taking pitches early in counts that they can hit to put themselves in tougher hitting counts later in counts. And you'd think that that patience would lend itself to better hitting numbers, but I feel like it's doing quite the opposite. I feel like it's putting them in spots where, one, umpires can – if their strike zone goes out the window, which has far too often happened this season, um, you know that, that puts the Twins on their heels in a way that you don't want to be. But also, too, the deeper you go into counts, the more you are at the whim of pitchers who um, – 
you know, have nasty, nasty stuff to, uh, to finish you off. So those cookies, those fastballs early in counts have to be punished. And, and right now they're not, um, you know, I don't think they are going to make any moves anytime soon in terms of firing a hitting coach or DFAing a well-known twins player. But, you know, I think they have to get down to the nitty gritty and do something, whether it's sending back Kyle Garlic and bringing up Edouard Julien to DH while Buxton is out. I think that's actually probably a pretty good idea, especially too, since the only lefty I saw coming up for the twins in the near future was Yusei Kikuchi, which I mean, whatever, if you can't score against Yusei Kikuchi and you need Kyle Garlic to save you, that's probably a bad sign. So I think what I would start with is Edouard Julien to DH in the absence of Byron Buxton. You can send him back when the time comes there. But other than that, I, I don't know. Aaron Weiland says, people blaming Max Kepler for that game need to log off and go face plant themselves in a field of grass. I see it both ways. I mean, he needs to score there in the ninth inning by being on second base with a stolen base when Michael Taylor took third. Especially, too, because if Taylor gets thrown out, you still need to be in scoring position. But with that said... You know, Kepler had a decent enough game. He was on base twice. It's baby steps. The Twins only had three hits all game. I don't know. You should not be in that position in the first place. The Rays did a Johnny Allstaff or Johnny Holstaff approach, and the Twins had no answer for it. Um, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. That's been this offense all season long. It just is what it is, man. You know, I feel like the Jacksonville Jaguar fan who's just kind of like got that buck tooth grin and shaking your head like, how much longer can I see the same exact thing over and over again, letting it drive me crazy? So, yeah, uh, I don't really know what else to say. I, I understand people blaming Max Kepler, but he does not stand alone. Alex Micheletti says the end has to happen for Max Kepler on this team if they want to be taken seriously. Matt Walner should be on this team over him, DFA, as soon as possible. I don't know the last time that I saw Twins fans this overexcited for a player based on 10 plate appearances or thereabouts in a long time. Listen, I like Matt Walner, but he is not the salvation for this offense. He is Joey Gallo with less defensive athleticism. I, I like Joey Gallo well enough because when he puts the ball in play, it's electric. But everybody that thinks Matt Walner is going to save this team, sorry to tell you, he's not. He's going to come up here. He's going to strike out 40% of the time, not play great outfield defense, and he will probably make you miss Max Kepler within the first month. You don't have to like it. You don't have to love it, but that's what I think. So as much as I want to see Matt Walner in the big leagues, we got to stop treating him like he's some kind of savior. Um, Josiah Waldner says, great start from Pablo today. Very happy for him. Hope to see the lineup getting soon, get going soon. Hate to see wasting these good starts. Yeah, Pablo was good. Um, outside of that homer to Paredes, it really looked like the Pablo 
we had seen early in the season. Um, you know, we're kind of pouring over his stat cast data for tonight. Hit 96 with the fastball, the sinker. Uh, lots of changeups, which against an offense that's um, eager can be a really good way to do things. Um, 13 whiffs on the night, three on the change, four on the four-seamer, four on the sweeper, and two on the curveball. So a nice mix of swings and misses on various pitches. Uh, you know, good to see him mixing and matching in and out of the zone, which when he's at his best, he's um, he is really, really good in that respect. And again, hopefully the sign of encouragement that he did it against a raised team that has been phenomenal all season long. So we'll see where he goes from here, but this start has to be encouraging. And with that said, that's, that's a wrap for this edition. Thanks for staying up late with us. If you did, otherwise good morning, if you're catching us in the morning, but thanks for checking out locked on twins. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Check back tomorrow for AJ Pierzynski. Or if you're listening on Thursday, a little later today, make sure you're following at Locked on Twins at Brandon underscore Warren. Subscribe, like, give us a five-star rating on whatever platform you are listening on. And this is Brandon Warren signing off, saying thank you so much, and don't forget to stop by tomorrow.